I know who Morgan State should hire as the next head football coach, and I'm going to tell you what makes this guy such a great candidate. Also, I have some players that you should be watching out for in this Saturday's HBCU Legacy Bowl. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And I'm about to bang a drum that I have been banging for a while, and I will not stop banging. And that's that Ed Reed needs to be a coach. I need to see Ed Reed walking up and down the sidelines with a headset on his head. That's why I'm here to tell you that Ed Reed should be the next Morgan State head coach. I know he has an interest. I know he has an interest. He was a positional coach for the Buffalo Bills in 2016. He also tweeted out, I think either last year or a year and a half ago, he said that he is a coach. In clarification, I am a defensive coordinator or head coach. So he made that very clear that he has aspirations of coaching, whether that's on the defensive side of the ball only as the DC or as the leader of the team, and that is as a head coach. And Gramlin tried to bring him on. I wanted Gramlin to get him too. I'm not going to lie to you. My Louisiana roots told me, and let that boy from Destrehan either get Gramlin, maybe get Southern, but both of those teams just fill their void this year. And I'm not rooting for any of those guys to get fired, whether that's Hugh Jackson or if that's Eric Dooley. Not only am I not hoping they get fired or wishing they get fired, I don't think they're going to get fired. I think they're going to have some, some job stability for a while. And I want to see Ed getting the coaching a lot earlier than those guys would decide to leave. So with all that being said, Morgan State has a vacancy. They're open, right? And because their head coach Tyron Wheatley just left to go to Denver Broncos as their running as the running backs coach. So now they have a vacancy. It needs to be Ed Reed's spot. When Gramlin tried to get him, he said, not right now. I'm the chief of staff at University of Miami, and we're trying to get a new head coach. That has passed. That reason is done. And I know that he actually wants to do it. I don't think that was just a BS reason to just try to get them off of his line. You know, I do think that he might have went to Gramlin. But I do know he has an interest in coaching. I think he might have went to Grimmel. I know he has an interest in coaching. Big difference. So I know that that was a problem for him as far as finding a head coach that's done. That impediment is gone now. That's no longer here. So let's let, let me break down why I think he would be a phenomenal head coach. I have a couple of qualities that I need from you as a head coach. All right. One, I need you to be a good leader. Two. You have to have the ability to get these guys to buy in. And three, you need the X's and O's or understanding of the game, however you want to phrase that. Same difference. I'm going to start off with that last one, the X's and O's. There's a story about, about Ed, and I believe it was either against Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, but I think it was Peyton Manning, um, where basically he played this coverage either wrong or differently the whole year. 
the whole year, he just played this coverage differently because he knew that I think it was Peyton. So we're just going to go with Peyton for this story. He knew that Peyton was going to see that and say, oh, I'm going to do this on this play. All year he did that. Only the break tendency against Peyton Manning had been building this up the whole time, specifically, not just I decided to break tendency this game. He did this specifically because he knew that Peyton Manning was such a student of the game that he was going to be studying and he could take advantage of showing him one thing on film for a full year. That's next level thinking. The type of thinking and understanding of the game and the intricacies of the game that I think would work wonders as a head coach. That story right there is just crazy because that's the dedication that requires a lot of dedication that re that requires understanding your and that just requires also being good enough to not mess up, right? Because you're doing something essentially you're not supposed to, you're doing something different, but you're still playing well. You're still not leaving your defense vulnerable. There's so many things right there that just shows how good of a player he is, but then also his mental aspect. Like we know he's the greatest safety or depending on who you ask, he's the greatest safety of all time. So the guy's mental processing, not just his athletic ability on 10. So also that uh, X's and O's requires understanding of the game and just the flow of it. And I think that his intelligence will allow him to do that. Does the decision-making, those are things that we would have to see when he gets on the field as a coach. Then also leadership. Let's get into leadership. My favorite, my favorite video of Ed Reed is not a one of him playing. It's not one that I quote, but it's one of him just giving a speech at halftime against Miami. I'm putting my heart in it's like what he said. Uh no, I'm all right. No, I ain't all right. He said, Dominate, we ain't doing. I'm putting my heart in this, dog. You know what I mean? Like basically, he was galvanizing his, his troops. He was galvanizing the team. At, at halftime, just rallying them. And I just feel like that, that was something that always stuck with me. It was something that I, I listened to when I was at Little League. You know, something I listen to now. I still have that in my phone to this day. Matter of fact, I use that quote, I'm not all right, a little bit ago. I use it for jokes, but also it's just a motivational thing. And he's somebody who has been honestly thought of as a leader for basically his whole career. And it's him and Ray, heart and soul of the team in, in Baltimore. Like, we understand that. I think that that's something that transfers and look at his position now in Miami where he is the chief of staff that showcases his leadership. And as a whole, you just seen throughout his whole career, people have understood that he was a leader. And that was before he was had the big beard in Houston and had the gray hair and felt like an elder statesman. At that point, he was 100 percent a leader. That was before any of those things. And he still just felt like that. It resonated. People followed him. And then here goes the thing, ability to buy in. He has that swagger that on the collegiate level is great for recruiting. Um, I think his pedigree is going to make people buy in. And the ability to buy in is so important to me on my side of things because I look at every coach, basically nearly every coach that left the Belichick tree. They all failed. Look at Matt Patricia and, and Joe Judge. Not Brian Flores, but these two, Patricia and Joe Judge. I think they specifically failed because they did not win. No, I mean, that's, that's that makes sense, right? They failed because they didn't win. But no, not that simple. They failed because they tried to be Bill Belichick without Bill Belichick's success. And that does not get buy-in. It just doesn't. They weren't able to gain the buy-in because they tried to come in and be somebody that they aren't. They may feel internally that they have similarities, but they tried to be somebody that they weren't. They are not Bill Belichick. Don't expect these players to respond to you 
as if you're Bill Belichick. I think that's why it's so difficult to take the Patriot way other because the requires winning. That sacrifice that towards your players, that attitude towards camp and practice requires winning. That buy-in is important. And that's something that I think Ed could really get. Now, don't take my word. I will leave you with another guy, Manny Diaz, who he was there in Miami with, University of Miami. And this is what he said about Ed as far as coaching, unprovoked years ago, year and a half ago. Ed has such a knack for seeing the game from that three uh, 30,000 foot perspective, which you need to do as a head football coach to be able to pay attention, whether it's a 53 man locker room or over 100 like we have here and be in tune with each one of those guys really uh, is really what Ed did great as a player. And you could see him getting uh, being great at that as a head coach. We usually throw the word goat around a lot, but this guy really is. It fits. Maybe the greatest ever to play the position. His experience, not just from a ball aspect, but what you find out about Ed, his understanding of team dynamics, his understanding of the locker room, of little nonverbals, and just the little way that a certain player goes about doing things is off the charts. That's a head football coach, period. I said it. Manny Diaz said it. Ed has shown that he wants to be one. Morgan State, go make him a head coach, period. And going forward, I'm going to put my little couch scout hat on, right? And I'm going to describe describe a couple of players who are going to be playing in the HBCU Legacy Bowl and why you should be paying attention to them. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online, BetOnline.net is the best place to go for all of your wagering. Football season is over, but there's still basketball, there's still hockey boxing one day baseball will finally return you'll be able to wager on that as well but betonline.net has everything that you possibly need if you want to talk about the over-unders on the suns game if you talk about the over-under on the nets game who saw the nets coming back the way they did against against the uh the knicks i didn't see it coming i know that you can bet on player props so all of these things going into the game not just wins and losses is so much deeper than that there's so many more opportunities to wage on everything that you need. And even if you don't want to do the sports route, you can do your favorite Vegas casino games. It's all good. They have everything that you possibly need. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is echelon or a level in an organization or to a group of individuals at a particular level in an organization. And I am going to discuss the top echelon, the, the upper echelon players at the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And first, let me put my, my couch scout hat on. Quite literally, I look like I'm Timmy Turner. My 25 and under group will get that. Or if you just have a young soul, maybe you'll get it too. But either way, I have the literal hat on. So this is why you need to check out the video. Because on the video, it's special, kind of just weird, right? Because I just have a camera in front of me. I got to do something. I don't want to just talk to the camera all day. But here we go. My first player that I want to highlight is Isaiah Macklin. Isaiah Macklin is a tight end out of North Carolina Central and a guy who's getting a whole lot of buzz at the Legacy Bowl. People are talking about his size, strength, just his hands. And he had a play like that in, 
in one-on-ones where it was either a corner route or a or a post route it depends on where it was on the field, like full field view they just post a close-up video so it could have been either one but it was essentially that right and he was breaking towards his and he just left the, the cornerback at that at that break point so as soon as he put his foot in the ground you saw the separation that he was able to gain and he made a really good hands catch Isaiah Macklin is the exact kind of player that this game is just meant for. He's a guy who, as a tight end, you already don't get a lot of stats. But he, on the other hand, let me take this off because I don't actually like how this looks anymore. Um, he on the other, he didn't play all years, all of his years in North Carolina Central. He took some time away. You know, he spent his first three years outside of the school. When he came in as a tight end, you're not getting as many touches. So he spent time outside of that. These are situations where he knew he had the talent. People knew he had the talent. A lot of times people don't get showcased. You just don't have the, the exposure, the chance to show exactly who you are or what you possess. But then as time goes on, you get into a bowl like this and you get to showcase all that talent. That's exactly what Macklin was able to do. So never question his ability. He stands at, at 230 pounds, 230 pounds. And, you know, I think that's on a little bit lighter frame as a tight end goes, but he's a good receiver. I think that's expected, actually. When you're at, when you're at that 230 at a tight end position, you expect it to be a receiver, kind of a big receiver. And as a receiver, he does really well using his speed. He's a mismatch for, for linebackers, and you can see it, right? And you saw it just going. He had his one play on tape where he just took the, the linebacker up the field. He just had a wheel route from just that kind of tight end wing back type of route. I think I don't think he had his hand in the dirt. I think he was in a two-point stance. And he just took him up the, up the field. He was just too fast. But then on other plays, you see he succeeds a lot on in-breaking routes, a lot of crossing routes, not just in-breaking, a lot of crossing and drag routes. He does that going across the field, and when he gets the ball in his hand, he does really well going north and south. So I think he's a guy who understands that he's not, he's not crazy with the ball in his hand, but he's mobile. He understands how to shift his body a little bit. Um, and then as a blocker, he's a willing blocker. You know, he's 230, so don't expect him to be a mauler. He's not a mauler, but that's not unusual. Right? It's not unusual to have love for anyone. Anyway, so I'm not going to go. It's not unusual for my Carlton, you know. Ugh. But it's it's basically a situation where he, he knows how to leverage. If he's blocking and the, and the running back needs to run off his butt, then most times then he'll have a, a lane to run through. And if he doesn't, it probably isn't Macklin's fault. If he needs to collapse the lineman down, push the defensive end down, he can do that. If he needs to block or kick out on the motion, that as well. He's a very willing blocker. And at the end of the day, that's all that I truthfully need. So bouncing from him to another tight end or potential tight end in D. Anderson. And D. Anderson to me is a player who if he's going to be a tight end, if that's what he feels, and I'm sure he didn't just pull tight end out of nowhere. I'm sure he heard something from somebody that said he needs to be a tight end. This is where you need to show it. He doesn't have any more bowl games to showcase this. He, we've seen what he is at, as a receiver. Right now is where he needs to be running every single one-on-one. He needs to be running every single play as a tight end, a big tight end. Sometimes you'll be in a slot. That's okay. But I've seen you as a receiver. I've seen flashes of you at Oklahoma State. I've seen flashes at LSU. 
I've seen flashes at Alabama A&M. Everywhere you go, you showcase the talent. So we know you have it. Show you can play tight end. That's what you need to do because take the guesswork out of, out of it. I'm sure some NFL scout told him, hey, this guy's a tight end. You need to work your tight end. But everybody not, might not have seen it. And even those guys who feel like you are a tight end, you need to prove to them why you are a tight end. It's really that simple. Because I've seen you play receiver. I'm guessing you can play tight end. But if you take that guesswork out of it, maybe become a free agent, maybe become a real late round draft pick. Those are the type of situations that you have to take the question marks out of in order to be part, to be a part of. So that's why I think about DeAnderson. I think he has a lot of talent, but I want to see him play tight end. He was PCU combine listed as a tight end. He's listed as a receiver here. I was going to do some tight end stuff, probably mostly tight end. He didn't really run too many routes at, at the HBCU combine. Even if he did, he didn't buy anybody. This is your chance to show scouts and show the mouth of the South. Not that I mean nothing, but to show the mouth of the South that, hey, I am a tight end. I can be a tight end. And that's exactly what he needs. But I'm going to have some more players for you. Just give me a second. And first, I want to tell you about Built Bar because they are the best bar on the market, bar none, right? And they have 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs multitude of flavors that is going to be very difficult for you not to find something that you like i find it very difficult that you will find a built bar that you or that you can't find a built bar that you'll like the flavor of they have too many they have too many to count so i noticed two to discount and go try one go to built.com use the promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off your offer it's really a simple decision whatever you want to do if you want to use that for protein 17 grams Eat healthy, it's only four grams of sugar and four net carbs. If you just want a snack, it's covered in chocolate. Come on, make the easy decision. I'll tell you again, go to BUM and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your offer. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to give you a couple of guys that you are going to need to look out for in the HBCU Legacy Bowl this Saturday. Yes, we're going to keep the ball rolling. And the first person I want to bring up is Bishop Bonnet because he's a guy that I haven't talked much about. And I think a lot of people haven't either. And I think that's kind of a problem for me because he's a player who I know when you think about FAMU, you typically think about the dark cloud defense, and I wouldn't blame you. Isaiah Land and Marquise Bell on one defense. Yeah, that's going to get a lot of thought from me. It's going to get a lot of discussion from me as well. But on the offensive side of the ball, they did have Bishop Bonnet, who was near the top of the SWAC in rushing yards. He was first team all SWAC running back. This is the guy who played really well, and he has a unique opportunity here, and that's to be able to play with Willie Simmons, his head coach, one last time. And his, this gives him a natural advantage over everybody else, in my opinion, because though the offense is going to be real vanilla, it's at least vanilla that he's seen before. So 
there there should be absolutely no learning curve. So while other people might have to learn certain aspects of the playbook, Bonnet will already be really familiar with it. And here's the thing about Bonnet. I want to tell you about what kind of player he is. And this is a player who not only has the highest average carry in the SWAC or average per carry in the SWAC of guys over 100 carries, when you go to the FCS level, he's 13th in yards per carry, you know? And you look at it, he has 17th in yards in rushing. So this goes to just show both A, how many yards he can rack up, which is impressive, but then also just how efficient he is with every carry, how good he is with every carry, because that's really the mark of it. If I gave everybody 100 carries, who's going to have the most yards? And he would be 13th in the FCS. That's all schools on the FCS level. And that might not even be as far as 100 carries. That's just period. So I think that's really impressive there. I mean, like I said, I just think this is a great opportunity to take himself out because I don't think scouts lump him in with land and ball as much or bell as much. But I do believe that sometimes fans might dis, you know, not only say disregard him, but just not notice him as much because you're focused on the defense. And I completely understand that. And then also I want to talk about uh, Deshaun Dixon because he's been a talk of, of the HBCU legacy bowl thus far. A lot of scouts are saying great things about him. And I think with Dixon, he's 6'5", 260, lines up all around the line. A guy who, yeah, he looks the part. He does. He looks the part. And he plays the part. And he's getting a lot of discussion about just his athleticism and tearing things up. He's one of the guys that the Legacy Bowl Twitter page is highlighting, along with the NFL Network crew, just talking about all the scouts that are discussing him. So I think that when I look at Dixon, he has this one trait, this one trait that I love. I absolutely love. It's my favorite trait. And I think it might be the most important trait or one of the most important traits as far as collegiate players go going into the draft. Every year he got better. He kind of peaked his senior year. And I say kind of, and I put air quotes around it really, because it's not, it's not a real thing. Your journey isn't over. Your highest point. So I guess in a peaked, your highest point career was your last but if i'm a coach right if i have my coach hat on right i'm gonna sit there and say well i need to this guy because i see that he's a hard worker and to get better and also as a coach I believe in myself i believe that i can get the best out of this guy i believe that i can take these traits these these the size the athleticism all of these things and i can make them better and one other trait that he had that i thought was great for him is the fact that hey he has four pass deflections three the year before he's been getting his hands up so he ain't just big for nothing he's not just big for nothing he's out here getting his hands up and he was one half of a dangerous pass rushing crew with him and chris and um out of north norfolk excuse me the so when i look at deshaun dixon that's somebody i need to be looking out for because that's somebody who i've heard a lot of good things about from the scouts so you need to see what they are looking at, what they feel. And then lastly, I want to talk about Khalil Wilkins because Wilkins is really just like Bonnet. I meant to mention them back to back, but he's really just like Bonnet in a sense of he's playing with his former coach and he's getting a chance to step it up and go against that vanilla or have that vanilla offense with absolutely no learning curve. So he should be able to excel rather quickly. And when I think about him, excuse me, when I think about him, I say, this is a guy who was CIAA MVP in the in the championship game. It's the guy who was up for the Harlan Hill Award for best offensive. Player. This guy's a stud. 
He just played at Bowie State. So this is his opportunity. This is a small school guy. I mentioned a couple of small school guys yesterday. I'm trying not to mention anybody twice just so I can showcase the bevy of players. And really the only person I highlighted again that I've highlighted before was DeAnderson. And that's just because he didn't run routes. He didn't really do much at the HBCU combine. And I wanted to see him play tight end. But other than that, these are all new guys. And I feel like Khalil Wilkins is a player who dominated at Bowie State, was really good, and won basically the D2 MVP. Um, or was near the top for the D2 MVP while winning the CIAA MVP in the in the championship game. And being all first team CIA, of course. This guy is a stud player, and I want to see what he can do stepping up. That's that's another one of my small school guys. All right. So thank you, HBCU, your first list. Come back with a recap of this year. I'm saying this year because this isn't it. It's not stopping in 2022. We're going to keep going for 2023 and so on and so on. But for your second day, make sure you're locked on bets. It's your boy Q and Lee Sterling, expert analysis and insight to put some more money into your pocket. It's free game for big games. It's really that simple. Meantime, in between time, y'all know where y'all can find me on that blue app, that bird. Yes, Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time we hear each other, family. Take care, stay blessed. Peace.